Welcome to Women's Flow and Ritual. I'm Nicola Hepshalom, and my mission is for women to reclaim their hormonal health and feminine vitality. These podcasts will empower you to heal your menstrual and reproductive health in an easy and fun way. We women always want more. That energy of desire for change creates everything. It brings you here and we'll use what you've learned to step forward. And this is a big part of our power. This works, this podcast is a holistic view of restoring and maintaining your sex drive, your libido. It isn't just about being able to have an orgasm. It's about having enough energy to really enjoy your life and be in your pleasure and enjoy your body. So, and to use your voice. So this starts with expanding our, our understanding of sexual response beyond what we learn from pop culture, the magazine, and pornography. When you look at many women's assumptions about what their sexual experience should be like, it's less expansive than it actually is. These assumptions reflect a lack of understanding about what the sexual response is and how it works and that a woman's body should perform in a very static view, in a very certain singular way throughout the day and throughout the lifetime and the, and the menstrual cycle. So, you know, like how pop culture explains and we subconsciously pick up is that we're supposed to always be on and be able to perform um, throughout the menstrual cycle, which is not so. So we're going to put a lot of these misconceptions to rest and just really understand it. So before we dive in, I want to say that this information is about you and your enjoyment with your body, and that is key. You can, you can enjoy being with someone else's body only if you've enjoyed being in your own. So you have to have that, that ability to sense yourself, the sensations within your own body, and then you could, one, that gives pleasure to the other person. That's real pleasure to the other person. It turns the other person on. Um, but it also turns it turns you on. That's real turn on. That's really being, taking responsibility for your own self and your own pleasure. And it's really what turns on the nerve circuits in the brain is by having these sensory experiences from your own body. So... Um, so there's a big distinction because women look at sex as a way to please their partner. Um, subconsciously, we act that way. But if you want to have a healthy libido, and what I mean by that is to feel vital in life, not just sex, then your pleasure is your priority. Everyone will have a richer experience because of that. And you play a huge role in it and responsible in how you experience your sex life. And the same as vice versa. If it's if you don't have yourself, you know, you can't be able to be in relationships. Meaning, you if you don't have your own voice and have that ability to know what you want and to express it, then you can't actually and have that sensory and it comes from that sensory experience. Then you can't have an authentic connection. You can, you're not really in relationship. So we're taking this broader statement that I just said which is really from feminist psychology, started from Carol Gilligan, um, who I really intimately got trained by. Um, 
if you don't have in her book, her first book in the seventies, like rocked psychology because there was no um, feminist literature out there in psychology, and she flipped the script for that. So we could all say thank you to her, and um, and I'll write her. I'll, I'll write a blog post about this, and I'll include her book so you guys can check it out. Um, but it's called A Different Voice and A Different Voice if I don't happen to write it in the blog post. So it's called A Different Voice. Um, so it comes from there, but then it really trickles down into our libido, the same kind of concept that we have to really feel our sensory experience to then um, have a connection, and to feel our libido ourselves and take responsibility to then have an honest connection. So before we discuss the reasons that libido takes a nosedive, I want to create a framework for each of us exploring what is a normal libido for ourselves because our culture is known to be highly sexualized and tells us how we are supposed to feel and act during sex. So we need to really know what we really want and what, <laughs> what it actually feels right for each of us because we're all, each of us is so different and our libido is different and it changes through the life cycle as well besides the menstrual cycle, which I explained already. So there are many factors, and we're going to cover, we can't cover everything, but I want to highlight that, like I just said, libido changes in a life cycle, which um, which means that, you know, it's, it's statistically higher in the teens and 20s from a purely physiological standpoint than our 30s and 40s. And this is in general. It doesn't mean everyone's like that. Our monthly cycle libido changes, medication, including birth control and SSRIs um, and other medications really have a big effect. Um, not really fully recovering from pregnancy or after pregnancy and just much more. Um, and I brought up the, okay. Um, so also women believe that once they are having sex, they think that they're able to orgasm easily. And if they don't climax at a culturally instilled appropriate time, then they feel they dis disappointed their partner. So there's this like standard of the timing of being, the timing of having an orgasm or climaxing, which is a distinction between, there's a difference between orgasm and climaxing. So we're get, so we shift, because of that, we shift our attention to our partner's pleasure, abandoning our own. So and let me tell you, when you focus only on, like I said, only on your pleasure, it's so much more of a turn on. Even when he doesn't know that you're doing that, but it's a more turn on for him or her, your partner, whoever it is, um, just through the, the sensation. The person does not know, but it's really fun. <laughs> you can try it. So libido is on a spectrum. I think the perception of what is considered normal, high, low libido is heavily influenced by the culture we live in. Like I said, I think some cultures are much more sexual than others. This can, can impact the way we expect and feel shame or pleasure from sexual responses and other factors. That is why we have to decide what is normal for ourselves minus any hormonal imbalances that could be causing problems because there's a whole bunch of people telling us what is normal and what is not. So for me, you know, if I have to think of libido besides feeling really turned on and it's so much fun, I walk down the street and guys are like, boom, 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 just like their heads turn. So that's fun. Attention can always be fun, you know, um, once you can take responsibility for it. 
but I feel really grounded, you know, and that's like my, a way that I experience my libido. I feel in command of my power. I feel super more creative and which shows up in different ways. My creativity is expressing myself more vocally or writing more content for work and getting more ideas for projects. And, um, and because estrogen is higher, I feel more robust and vital. But all the hormones are affect that, testosterone, progesterone, and estrogen. So what I'd like you guys to do as some a fun exercise is you can do this with a partner or yourself. It's really fun to do with your girlfriends. It opens up a discussion and makes you more intimate and crosses cultural barriers too, So, which is really important. Like It takes away self-silencing. So I'd like you to just ask yourself like how you feel this vitality, this aliveness. As I just said, you know, besides feeling the turn on for me, sometimes I don't feel turned on. I don't want to have sex, but I do feel it in different ways, like the feeling grounded and command of my power and creative. So that's how I experience my body. And it also shows up in that spectrum of libido. Like from one second, I can just move really slowly, talk so slowly and really be in that power of pleasure. And I feel every little thing in my body and it's like tickling. It feels great. And then the next second I can move, I'm a woman, so I'm changing all the time. So the next second, I just feel like flirting with everybody and just being really excited. And that's so much fun. So, um, so, you know, there's different ways of different PowerPoints of libido. And so I am going to ask you, you turn this off and then come back and put it on pause or you can do it afterwards. And just please remember to do it afterwards of like really sitting and thinking to yourself, how, how does, what are the different ways to have an expanded viewpoint of your libido that it shows up for you? Another question could be maybe right after this is like, how do you want to expand your libido more? Right? So maybe your creativity, you want to work on a little bit more. So how does that look like? Make it as tangible and specific as much as possible. Okay. So another viewpoint of libido is the ability to give and receive pleasure, enjoyment, and acknowledgement. So that's really important. You know, when we have, when we're acknowledged, right, you feel more turned on, don't you? When we're in our pleasure and our enjoyment, our contentness, we just feel more alive, we feel more vital, we feel more accepted, right? That's a very feminist perspective. That's how the female body works. So in order for you to feel turned on, in the bedroom, you need to feel turned on in daily life as well. And this goes along with the neurochemistry, which I don't, we won't get into this time. Um, yeah. By pleasure, what I mean though is pleasing all of your senses. Right? It's challenging to fully surrender to pleasure during sex if your life is high and dry. Right? If you're not feeling, if you're on the go and you have cortisol rising up and you know, affecting testosterone, progesterone, and estrogen, and you know, dopamine, and everything. Like, um, it's really hard to go from feeling depleted, <laughs> essentially, and overextended, and tired, and burnt out, to then, boom, like into a full-on pleasurable, like an honest, authentic, pleasurable experience where you're embodying your experience. So, your energy and your libido is directly related. 
So by adding your senses throughout the day, you're able to be in your pleasure more and to navigate your libido when you're ready to have orgasm, when you're ready to create something, create a project, you're about, it's easier to go into that zone. Um, so the approach is to really change the environment to one that fits how you want to feel. So you can ask yourself, how can you find enjoyment in everyday things and interactions within yourself? So the focus, again, is on your pleasure, right? It always comes back to you, your pleasure. You create the environment. So your pleasure, no matter the external circumstances. The external circumstances could suck. You can have the worst, worst boss, very high-pressure job. But you take responsibility for yourself. And with the details in life, as much as you control, you add pleasure. So enhancing the quality of each day is about cultivating beauty and pleasure in your daily life. These teeny shifts can cause significant transformation in how you live your life and how you experience libido and mundane activities. And libido is the vitality. When you come home, right, you have to answer a ton of emails and, right, you just went from a high pressure job, you're exhausted, you have to come home and you have to, like, sometimes you have to answer emails instead of you know just having being super focused and getting frustrated and overwhelmed you take a second right and this is just one idea one example that i'm sure most people on this call will experience or have experienced so you know you come home you put on maybe some soft music or any music that will relax you you know so maybe you want to dance Maybe you want to turn on some music, do slow hit movements, or just like rock it out, whatever you, you need to do at that moment, or maybe both. And you change to something comfortable, something that you feel good in. Take some nice deep breaths. Give yourself a moment. You know, brush your hair. Brushing your hair really is great for women to um, calm the nervous system. Our nervous system is connected to the hair follicles. So it's really you know, maybe you want to just like take a second, take some deep breaths, brush your hair, put on some tea, put some candles, right? And, um, and create a de create a stabilizing environment, just like have a very relaxing environment. And so while you're writing these emails, you know, you could also just use a tone in your communication that makes you feel good. So be aware of your sensory experience of how you are communicating so you feel relaxed, right? And if you feel relaxed and are expressing that in your emails, the other person will receive that too. So, but really the focus is about you. So every time you experience pleasure on your day, your neurochemicals that we'll speak about in soon will be affected and you will infuse your libido with more vitality and relaxation. Give yourself a multi-sensory experience by finding the pleasure in the moment and not in the end result. And that's really key for us women, right? It's moment by moment. How can I make this experience more relaxing for me? Okay, next moment. How can I make this more attuned to what my desires are, what I need for myself? So it's always prioritizing yourself versus like trying to get the end result. You will find yourself more relaxed and happy and you're able to give and receive pleasure for a more authentic place. Women don't feel comfortable receiving, right? And it's really our power. 
that's our power. We just have to be ourselves and then everything comes to us. It's really that simple. <laughs> really. So we just have to relax. That's our power is to be relaxed and to receive and observe. So if we can receive in social situations also, then it's likely we can have, we could receive and let go in the bedroom, right? So how could you, if you have your clothes on, right, and you can't receive, how can you do it in a more vulnerable state? So receiving is part of feeling full, right? Feeling really satisfied and in our power. And us women really need to feel in our power and to feel pleasure. So what I'd like you to focus on, um, one assignment or one, yeah, one assignment would be invent, find one situation in your life that you can start with, something easy, that you can make, something mundane, that you can make fun for yourself, right? It could be the way you order coffee, right? Yeah, just like when you, if you go to the deli or however you order your coffee, if you go to Starbucks, yeah, it, maybe you could just experience like the way you do it. It's something so simple and so mundane and see how your body responds. And also another important thing that I like you to do is to write a list about things that you'd like to try for yourself that and see what makes you happy. So it could be going to and you know going to a department store and they have all these creams out, all these different types of creams with so many different scents and the thickness of the cream and just so many beautiful things. And just go and try and see what you like. Smell it, feel it. This is a sensory experience. Same thing with perfume. And learn what makes you feel good, what you like, or chocolate. That's another sensory experience that has so many different types. And learn what you like. And this is a great way to learn how to receive and know what you want. Um, so let's take a look at how sex hormones affect libido and some of the causes of low sex drive. When estrogen, progesterone, and testosterone are out of balance, you lack the ideal ratio of neurochemicals essential for a robust sexual response. For decades, scientists believe that testosterone was the controller of the sex drive, but now that we're learning more about estrogen progesterone, and they have a huge effect as well. So testosterone is a sex hormone that affects libido, and it's necessary for the normal sex drive for men and for women. So women's adrenal glands and ovaries produce testosterone, and to experience normal sexual desire, arousal, and orgasm, testosterone levels should be should have a balance of not being too high and not being too low. Low and high testosterone levels can cause low libido and difficulty achieving orgasm. High testosterone is associated with an increase of aggression and anger. Also, some women report a preference of masturbating rather than intercourse when their testosterone is high, which I find really interesting and a great way to observe yourself. Um, estrogen keeps the vulva and vagina lubricated and elastic. So it keeps the clitoris sensitive. Estrogen is linked to clitoral stimulation, while testosterone is linked to sexual desire, 
just a really cool distinction of how to learn about your body and see where you're at or, or where you might be at because there's other factors too. An important factor that is that too much estrogen can block testosterone. So there needs to be a balance between estrogen and testosterone. Estrogen dominance is the leading cause of low sex drive. Which usually we only think of as testosterone, uh, like a decreased testosterone, but it could just be estrogen dominant because of estrogen dominance as the cause that leads to lower testosterone. The blocks it. So progesterone is a feel-good sex hormone that helps women feel relaxed and vital. It impacts sleep, sexual desire, mindfulness, and this can be a catalyst for how you feel about your relationship because it's the feel-good hormone. So if you're relaxed, you know your projection is going to be a little bit different about your relationship. So when progesterone is low, then your mood is low and affects your sleep and harder to keep your cool, so you might not like your relationship as much. <laughs> um, yeah. So since our hormones are cyclical and the concentration vary throughout our menstrual cycle, sex doesn't feel the same each and every time for women as it does for, for usually men. So we're hardwired for this experience of having of changing all the time, the flow and ebb. The concentration of hormones in each phase determines your sexual response. So this, the sexual response includes both mental urges and physical ability. In addition to the three hormones I mentioned right now, your libido is also governed by four neurochemicals, which are neurotransmitters that target the pleasure areas of your brain. So we have serotonin and dopamine. They target the feel-good regions of the brain. They boost your experience of pleasure and then have you want to do it over and over again, right? So which I, I, some of you probably have had that experience. I know I have. So this is why certain antidepressant medications such as SSRIs dampen sex drive. They block serotonin's ability to bind with receptors in the brain. And when serotonin levels are lower than normal, then we become obsessive and angst when we meet a new guy and we fall in love, okay? When serotonin is high, then we have a sense of, I can say this in my head and not out loud, satiety, satiety, <laughs> I can't say it right now. Well, it's, uh, you feel satisfied and it's hard to climax. So that really affects like our dating life. So SSRI creates artificial high serotonin levels, so it decreases impulsivity and dopamine levels. Oral contraceptives have the same effect, dampening dopamine and increasing serotonin, so it's not helpful when we're dating and our libido. So it's something to keep in mind if you are on these drugs, how it's affecting you. So it's not you, it's the drug. Sexual activity increases nitric oxide release, which causes the blood vessels to relax, enabling blood flow more efficiently through them. This causes sex organs to become more engorged. This can increase oxygenation to your heart and brain and lower blood pressure. Oxytocin is released, which is a bonding hormone that can make you feel more connected to your partner and leads to desire and facilitates climax. Now, climax is also right before orgasm. 
sex can decrease cortisol levels because experiencing orgasm is like a cortisol flush, getting it all out of your system, which is amazing. <laughs> but too much cortisol in the body can decrease arousal. So it's crucial to control cortisol levels. Okay, so cortisol, um, cortisol curbs all bodily functions that are not essential to your survival when you're under threat. So cortisol, like if you're if you're under threat, if your body you might not be under threat, but in this stressful life that we have, our cortisol is always present and always um, is, is very present in our body. So if uh, if your cortisol is increasing, we could say, then your body's thinking that you're under threat. And so it's not a priority. So it will decrease the hormones and prevent you from having a child or just any reproductive hormone. Will, it will decrease it. So now that you know the hormones and neurochemicals involved with libido, you can depend on them as a baseline for each stage of your menstrual cycle. So now we'll go over the menstrual cycle. So the follicular phase is right after your period and it lasts usually two weeks. And I'm just talking in general, not any disorders that we might have. Um, and when you get your period, the levels of estrogen, testosterone, and progesterone start at their lowest point in the cycle. And then they increase towards ovulation, which is right in the middle, generally. It might not be for some people. So you can have a low sex drive, um, depending on where you are. And the low sex drive will be in the beginning, usually, of your cycle. And when your hormones are at a low, you need to put more attention on the arousal stage of your sexual response, right? So and this will assist in bringing your physical sensations just uh, heightened a little bit. So you might need more lubrication. You might need more mental desire for sex. Um, so that means like maybe some more foreplay, massaging, um, And it's a time to just observe how you feel. Uh, yeah. So we come to the ov ovulation phase. And ovulation is the most fertile time. And it's not a time that you need help with getting stimulated and feeling aroused. Your body is primed to crave and seek out sex. The cervical secretion in this phase keeps you lubricated, which is different from sex-related secretion. So in this phase, you can move from arousal to plateau phase more effortlessly. Since you have more desire for sex and the naturally high energy from hormonal surge, it's time to have more passionate, intense sex. So other things that happen during this mid-cycle is oxytocin peaks, which also increases rates of orgasm and wanting to bond with somebody. What happens when you are in oral contraceptives and in the, this fertile stage is that since the hormones are static, there's no mid-cycle peak in, ox, in oxytocin to push bonding and orgasm. Additionally, there's no surge in estrogen and testosterone to stroke our desire and creativity. Our brains also think that we are pregnant at this time. So women on the pill act like women that are pregnant. So the focus 
to track for sex and reproduction is not vital. A recent study has shown that women on the pill show weaker or no preference for facial and vocal masculinity. So that's a way, way of seeing that um, we're not focused on attracting as much for sex and reproduction when we're on the pill. So after ovulation, the second half of the menstrual cycle, the, the, usually the last two weeks, um, is the luteal phase. In the first half, which is usually a week after ovulation, testosterone is steady. However, estrogen and progesterone climb to their peak. In this first half, you still could feel high and ready for sex, but you might need a little bit more stimulation to climax right before orgasm. In the second half, which is like a week, about a week before menstruation, your testosterone, progesterone, and estrogen dip. At this time, you might not feel in the mood for sex, so you might need help to get aroused. And one way to do that is just, like we said before, about just you know, like your everyday life of using your senses and just being in that space of feeling aroused. And that will, the more you introduce that into your life, the juicier you'll feel. You don't have to actually do anything. The brain chemistry will do it itself. So then you, right after that is menstruation, and we all know what that is. Um, and hormones are at their lowest when you're starting to bleed. If you have a shorter cycle and bleed is heavy the first few days, then your hormones immediately are at the lowest point. If you have a longer cycle with spotting in the beginning, estrogen might be a little bit higher and progesterone lower in the beginning of your period before it drops off. So you might feel a little bit more symptomatic due to the imbalance or the estrogen dominance. So for women with symptomatic cycles, the unbalanced hormones might make you feel uninterested in sex. So it's okay to abstain from sex for a few days, but it's like uh, just like taking a break from physical activities. If you have a yeast infection or urinary tract infection, you might also want to stay away from sex when you have your period. And this is because there's a low pH level in your vagina at this time. It can, it can make you more susceptible to bacteria. And for other women, sex relieves menstrual cramps, migraines, and they really enjoy the feeling that sex has, that sex can give them at this time. So have fun. So there's different reasons for low libido. One is birth control. Birth control decreases circulating testosterone and causes estrogen dominance. Birth control pills are the leading cause of estrogen dominance in women because they contain a synthetic estrogen that prevents the body from producing its own estrogen. We already mentioned that when estrogen is high, it will cause testosterone to be low in ratio. Additionally, birth control increases sex hormone binding globulins and SHBG binds to testosterone so it becomes unavailable for us for use by the body. When SHBG goes up, then active testosterone will go down. It can take up to six months and sometimes longer for the body to normalize the SHBG levels after stopping birth control and impacting the libido. Stress is another leading cause of low libido, and there are physical emotional reasons related to stress that can bring low 
bring libido down. When the body overproduces cortisol, which it does in our society, chronic state of stress, this interferes with sex hormone production and balance. Oxytocin release during sexual activity uh, can flush out the increased cortisol, like we said before. Systemic inflammation is another cause. When we have inflammation throughout the body, then your body puts its priority on healing rather than reproduction. It does this because if your body is in poor health, then you can't have a healthy pregnancy. Thus, your body wants to conserve energy so your sex drive will go down. Additionally, cortisol increases when inflammation is in the body, which affects the production of estrogen, progesterone, and testosterone. Additionally, excessive cortisol will directly decrease the neurotransmitters serotonin and dopamine. This leads to low libido and results in depression and anxiety. Inflammation usually involves leaky gut. If you have hormone issues, then you have a leaky gut. The gut releases lipopolysaccharides, which have a direct and toxic effect that cause brain fog, tiredness, and low libido. Cleansing and balancing your hormones begins with gut health and sugar balance, nutrients, and much more. But definitely, definitely gut health and sugar, sugar blood balance. Um, it's bio-individual, which is how I work individually with women. A great way to start at home is to reduce dairy and wheat from your diet for two weeks or more. Or you can just go on the elimination diet and then slowly reintroduce those foods to how your body reacts. In addition, start adding bone broth, which is healing to the gut lining. Prebiotic foods, which go directly to the colon and become food for your intestine to strengthen the lining. And some of the prebiotic foods are garlic, onion, artichoke, Jerusalem artichoke, and jicama. Jicama. Yeah, that's correct. <laughs> okay. So eating fat is key for the libido. The body feels like it's starving when we have low body fat if we over-exercise or eat low-fat diets. When it's in this stress-out zone, then your body doesn't want to have sex. Its priority is survival and conserving energy, not reproduction. So when the body fat is below 15%, then sex hormone production decreases, especially testosterone. This occurs because cholesterol is broken down from fat, and cholesterol is the backbone of all sex hormones. You need body fat to produce sex hormones. We need about 13 grams of fat a day to produce an optimal range of sex hormones. When we overexercise, then our body fat levels can become low. Also, overexercising causes stress on the body, which increases, increases cortisol levels, so it keeps the body from producing enough sex hormones. So additionally, there are some medical conditions that are linked to low libido. There are many medications and medical conditions which can which we'll take time to discuss. Today we'll focus on PCOS. PCOS is associated with high levels of testosterone, low progesterone, and insulin resistance. The high levels of testosterone can create a challenge in achieving arousal and orgasm. Sometimes it can cause decreased sensation and ability to lubricate and have an orgasm because estrogen can be decreased. So as women approach menopause, sex drive also decreases, and this is due to low estrogen, which is associated with decreased clitoral sensitivity, dryness, and less blood flow to the vagina. Another 
reason of low libido is after a baby, maybe nursing for an extended period of time, so your sex drive might be minimal. Prolactin levels are up, which suppresses testosterone secretion. Also, when nursing, women have less vaginal lubrication due to less estrogen levels. Most importantly, you may not be ovulating yet, so you don't have the surge of sex hormones. When your period comes back, then your libido will come back too. Mothers of young children can also have an increase of oxytocin, which is the cuddle hormone, which decreases testosterone. Also, married women have less testosterone than single women. And you can get why oxytocin's up, testosterone's down. More warmth and cuddles and security than less testosterone. I do want to mention if your libido is low, then you might want to have your thyroid checked. Now, doctors just measure TSH, but that isn't informing you of your hormones. You need to have T3 and T4 checked as well. This is an entire, and this hormone panel is an entire lecture in itself. So I won't go into it, but keep it in the back of your mind when you go to the doctor. Because they really only want to test T as the agent. Yeah. Another, that would definitely be another podcast. So let's get to the foods to boost libido. The focus is to have foods that decrease inflammation, improve vascular tone, and are rich in antioxidants and phytonutrients. So almonds, Brazil nuts, and pine nuts contain zinc and selenium. And this helps reduce inflammation and improve circulation and provide a lot of energy. Pomegranates raise testosterone and are loaded with antibodies that improve, that improve blood circulation. Um, and the increased blood flow at the vaginal wall can enhance lubrication with the, with the pomegranate. Watermelon also helps relax the blood vessels and might have an effect on libido. Dark chocolate is rich in magnesium, antioxidants, and B vitamins. Magnesium is essential to production of sex hormones. It's really, if you have any PMS, because PMS is a, it's a symptom of imbalance. Like we don't have to, PMS is not normal. So magnesium is really the first thing to look at and start adding to your diet. Um, so B vitamins and antioxidants help the body decrease inflammation as well. And they also improve circulation. So dark raw chocolate has a compound called phenylthylamine, which triggers the same endorphins that are produced from having sex. Asparagus is also a great food for libido. It has B vitamins and in particular folate that aids in increasing the production of histamines. And histamine is a vital part of inflammation in your body is important for libido. Coconut water contains some electrolytes as your as your blood, so improves blood flow and possibly increases your libido. Avocado contains B6, folic acid, potassium, and essential fatty acids and antioxidants. This increases blood flow and is the building block for sex hormone production. Nuts, seeds, and omega-3 rich, fi rich fish like salmon, herring, and mackerel are also fats that help build healthy sex hormones that we spoke about before. It's really essential, really essential. 
I want to end with emphasizing sleep. Most of my clients were certainly not getting enough sleep, but it's a huge game changer and they really, it, it changed their life. It's essential for libido and hormonal health. Sleep keeps your body in line with your body's natural detoxification system and uh, carcadian cycle and controls the natural daily ups and downs of each cycle. So tips for restful sleep that will balance your hormones is removing anything that emits light, such as TV, phone, and other electronics. So just get that out of your bedroom. If you can, have a comfortable mattress. You can diffuse essential oils such as ylang ylang or neroli and candles, which sets a really relaxing and sensual mood. And if you can, to really have like those blackout shades or anything to just make your room really dark. It resets your, your rhythm, your stadium rhythm. So it's, that's an amazing thing to do. So I hope some of these tips help your libido, help balance your hormones. And I'm really excited to, like, I love to get emails. So I'm really excited if you guys just send me emails and to be in contact. I love it. And um, until next week, sending everybody love.